And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, we are into 2024 on the pod. First pod of the year. Exciting. Man, that, that was a break, Jonas. I looked it up. But we, there's been seven games since we last did a podcast, so we've got some catching up to do here. We do. There's actually, honestly, a ton to talk about. Like, we haven't talked since Celia Samsonov was placed on waivers. We obviously haven't talked since, you know, the All-Star Game stuff just happened. What else has happened? Uh, there was some not the so Sabres great game. losses. Yeah, we yeah. haven't talked since then. Nine goals against. Yeah. There was that. Uh, and you look like, as we stand today, the Leafs are sitting third in the division. Obviously, they've got some games in hand. Um, but it's like it's been a little bit of a rocky patch. We'll talk about Martin Jones. That's been one of the, the highlights. Uh, I think we should start with the All-Star Game stuff. Are you okay with that? Just because that's the most... Uh, what's the word? Recent? Recent. Sure. That's the right lead, word. Huh? Lead, lead the way, Jonas. I am... Well, I'm, I'm your humble servant here. <laughs> okay. Uh, and we will get to Samsonov. We will get to to Jones. We'll talk about the games in California so far for the Leafs. Uh, but let's start with the All-Star stuff. Uh, Austin Matthews named the Leafs representative. The league still chooses to pick one player from every team. Um, it's not a surprise that Austin Matthews was their pick for the, the first pick from the team. And then 12 players... Uh, will be voted in by the fans. I wrote a column. I don't know if it was a column. I wrote a story saying that uh, that William Neander should have been the first pick for the Leafs. Austin Matthews isn't the wrong pick. Um, you know, he's got 30 goals in 35 games. Uh, every year he's been eligible, he's been an all-star. I, I just wish James, like, I don't care that much. And I don't know how much the players care because this hasn't changed. But the all-star game should mean more not the game itself but making the team should actually mean something and they've just watered it down in the way that they choose to name players i wonder if like part of the thinking on their part is like no one really cares that much so let's just put someone in from every team you know that doesn't make sense though right like well they want it they want the random guys well they want the all-star game to be a story in every market they want you know they want to sell they, if you go to the All-Star game and you ha- you're going to have a player there no matter what market you come from. And the All-Star game, I've been to a bunch of them. It's it's very much like a corporate event. You know, it's the All-Star game is for kids and for the NHL to bring in corporate sponsors and do stuff like that. It's not it's not good TV viewing. It's not good to attend as a fan, really, if you're over seven years old. Um even the skills competition. I like what they're doing with like the, they're had their, they brought the draft back. It sounds like Brendan Shanahan had a played a part in that happening. I think that that's good. Anything they can do to, and I, and, and they're going to try and crown 
a skills competition winner, like everyone's going to do some events and they're going to, they're going to have like some sort of a point system. And I think that'll add maybe a little bit of intrigue to it, but the all-star game is it's hit some new lows. I, for me in the last few years, like I just haven't paid attention to it at all recently. Yeah. I think you're missing my point a little bit. Like, I don't think you're ever going to make the event interesting, but I think you should make making the team matter. Uh, in the way that it really matters in the NBA, it really matters in uh, the NFL with the Pro Bowl. It the Pro Bowl, I can't say bowl. Uh, it matters in, in baseball. It just doesn't. When you choose to do every team, you just water this this thing down. Like it, it matters. I think to players to make the team. And when you're choosing guys like Boone Jenner and Tom Wilson, and it's like Oliver Bjorkstrand. Like I don't know. It just kind of takes something away from the meaning of the whole thing. And I. I don't know, like a, a player like Neander is a really good example. Like he, he he's going to make it this year. You think? No, he'll like, make. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Leafs fans always lean heavily on the fan voting, and he'll get in. Like I, if he doesn't get in, then I'm last with. year, James, like when he was leading the team in scoring. But yeah, maybe. Yeah, but he's right. fifth in league scoring, and the game is in Toronto, and you know, I, I, I am. I suspect there's going to be three Leafs at the All Star game at least, maybe four with the fan voting getting factored in. Uh, and I think Matthews is the right choice because they want him to be one of the team captains. They want him to kind of be like the home ambassador for the Leafs. The league's kind of thinking of it as like a television production. They wanted to put a Leafs person in there who's going to, he's going to be doing the draft, right? Like he's going to be picking his team. So they want to get some faces of the league yeah, to put okay. in there. And, and that. that's, that's what they were thinking with. McDavid's going to be, going to be one of the people picking uh matthews will be one of the people picking i don't know who the other two captains will be but well so if if i was designing the the way to pick rosters i would just i would take it out of the league's hands because i don't think like it's just the league's central office making these decisions like i don't think that that makes sense i would do it more like the NBA where coaches have a say, players have a say, GMs have a say, fans have a say, media have a say. And get I think the they right do. People. I think I think they go to the teams and and talk about who the right choice for each team would be. I think that there's I'm pretty sure there's some input. When when I back when I used to care about this more and I looked into how they decided this, they would talk it through with the teams about like who do you think your representative should be. Yeah, that I know that still happens. I think you're right, but like even last year, like Marner made it ahead of Neilander. Like that, that doesn't really make sense. I can't remember if that was through voting or what. Anyway, like I, I just think um, Neilander deserves to be there. He's like, as you said, like he's I think he's fifth or sixth in league scoring. He's I think he's been their most consistent player all year. Like I don't really think that that's much of a debate. Matthews has really come on and been their best player last month. Um, and, and let's talk about Matthews because like, this is, this is nuts. Like again, 30 goals in 35 games is incredible. Like he, I wrote about it after the game, the Leafs played in, in LA where they just like hammered the ducks and then finally pulled through. Uh, but like he has a shot at, at 50 goals in 50 games, like 20 goals in the next 15 games. Doesn't seem like it's a lot, but it doesn't seem like impossible for him. Does it to you? No, I think it's, I mean, it's probably a long shot because it's just hard to do that. And he's already on a heater and he's already at a 19% shooting percentage, but he's going to be close. That's for sure. You know, he's going to be, he's probably going to get 50 in 57 games or whatever. I mean, he's, yeah. it's funny. He, he had that lull around the Sweden trip and it's like, what's going on? Because he came out of the gate so hot. 
And then just the last month, he's been unbelievable. I really enjoyed actually watching that game against Anaheim where it was almost like watching Austin Matthews play against like an AHL level team. You know, like they were just, they were all, every time he was on the ice, they were all over them. And he had 13, 14 shots on goal. And that game ended up being compelling just because it was, they were down going into the, right into the end of the third period. And it's like, if they keep playing like this, they're going to have to break through. And do they stick with it? And do they, or do they, they find a way to break through? And and they did. And and Matthews, obviously with the overtime winner, it was a, a fitting end to the, the, how good of a game that they played, but he's just, he's fun to watch right now. And sometimes against some of the weaker teams, when he plays as well as he can, it's fun to watch because they just don't have an answer for him. Well, you mentioned the Sweden trip. I think what really changed, because like even those goals he was getting early, like he wasn't playing great. And that line, the top line for the Leafs, wasn't really humming at all. Uh, I think what really changed is, is Keith pushed him to start shooting the puck like more. Uh, because I think what was happening is like that line was like misfiring. Marner wasn't right. And he was passing up opportunities. And if you look like you mentioned that game against the Ducks, like that's like the the big example where he has 20 shot attempts, 13 shots. But over the course of like since the start of December, he's averaging like 5.3 shots per game, something like that, where he's just like every night, he's just like aggressive. He's just like, I'm the best shooter on the planet. I'm just going to keep shooting. And, and I think since then, he's kind of got it back. And I think what's interesting to me, James, of late is like him and Marner, they've got it back. Like the connection that wasn't there at all in the start of the season or during the start of the season, I think it's there. I think Marner is really starting to find it. Like they're starting to look like they did last year and the year before where they're just turning pucks over constantly in the offensive zone and creating opportunities off that. And if that is the case and they get back to what they were doing, I don't know where his season goes because if Marner is going to be Marner, that's going to obviously help Matthews create even more. And that's what's so crazy about his season. It's like October, November, he wasn't great. And yet we stand here. He's got 30 and 35, you know? I wonder how the, the heart trophy feels pretty wide open right now because McDavid hasn't, McDavid hasn't like, I mean, he still could pull way ahead, but you know, what's interesting is that like Matthews is, is ahead in goals and leading the league in goals, but he's 19 points behind the leaders in points, which is Nathan McKinnon and Kucherov. Mm-hmm. Like for December, did you see Matthews got the second star uh, of, of the league? And I was like, oh, that's surprising. He got the second star. I thought he would have got first. And then you look at the December that Nathan McKinnon had. Yeah. And he had, he had like 19 assists or something and 11 goals in December. So he had like way more points than Matthews did, even though he didn't have as many goals. So, you know, Matthews only has 15 assists. You know, his line mates haven't been scoring that much. He's been, as you're saying, like a, a little more selfish and really just like a, he's almost going for the Cy Young again, where it's like, it's all goals and not as many assists. And I'm guessing that he'll be in the conversation for the heart, but it might be one of those years where there's like seven guys who have a legitimate stake potentially in the heart. And I wondered this year if there's going to be, I wonder if Kale McCarr or Quinn Hughes as defensemen who have well over a point a game might be in the conversation this year. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And and I think like you touched on the assists, like when Neilander was playing with him, it 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 wasn't like awesome. Like in and even Keith pointed out when he made the change to flip it back, he made the point that like Matthews wasn't getting a lot of his goals because of Neilander. It was more like he was just getting his goals because he was getting his goals like he does. 
I wonder if that starts to change a little bit, although like it's not like Marner is gonna score a ton, although he has scored at a fairly like reasonable clip this year. But yeah, that's a good point. Like I don't know. I mean, if you were gonna say who is the Leafs MVP today, I don't know if I would pick Matthews or I don't know if I'd pick Neilander. I I I have to think about it. What would you? Mm, yeah, I, th- I would say it's probably pretty close. I would say it's yeah. I mean, the, one of the differences for Neilander this year, he's playing a lot more minutes. Like he's playing over twenty minutes a game. It was always the ice time for the Leafs top players was always kind of like Matthews and Marner were on another level from the other guys. But Neilander's closed that gap and he's playing a lot more. Um, the other thing that stands out to me is that you compare Matthews and Neilander to the top players in the league. They're not; they don't have the same kind of power play production as a Kucherov yeah. or McKinnon. You know, Matthew Matthews only has thirteen power play points. You know, per- he, he, I know, like, yeah, go ahead. Even strength, it's like, he's like way closer to the league leaders than he is overall, and it, it's really on the power play. Where I mean, Kucherov's got thirty power play points right now. Well, their power play as it stands today, and we're recording this on Friday, is down to eighth in the NHL at 24.6%. And I've been saying all along to you that I just don't think it looks quite as dangerous as it did in the past. So, yeah, that's part of it. But like you mentioned, Neil and her in the ice time, like one of the differences this year is like he is on the penalty kill. And he's not just like, like last year, he was like, yeah, he's on the penalty kill, but it's like every three games, he'll get like a shift at the end of the third power play for another team. Now he's like literally moved on to their second penalty killing unit and he is like actually prominently involved. And that like that is the minutes, right? Like he was averaging like 18 and a half before and he's up over 20. That's basically penalty kill. Um, and and so now he suddenly he's like more he's playing more of the kind of minutes that Matthews and Marner would get over the years. And I think that's a good segue into the contract stuff. I don't know how deeply we should get into it until it's actually done. Uh, but what are your thoughts on on the kind of numbers that are being reported? Like Pierre Lebrun for The Athletic had a story uh, detailing where things are at, and he said it was going to be, or it's it's looking like it's going to be over $11 million. Yeah, it's basically, it sounds like it's going to be the Pasternak contract is around where it's going to be. And I'm not surprised. You know, I was I was having this conversation with Chris Johnston, who is, who's been working on this story, and, you know, the Leafs are going to end up paying Nylander more than what he's accomplished in the league, to be honest. I mean, other than this year, Nylander hasn't been an $11 million player. This has really been the first year where he's established himself as, like, uh, if he's going to get 11.25 like Pasternak, he's going to be one of the, what, five highest paid players in the NHL, six yep. highest paid players in the NHL. Mm-hmm. The Leafs will go into next season potentially with four of the 10 highest paid players in the league. Mm-hmm. So for one more year, I, at least yeah. when, when I, when I did the math, looking at the comparables for Nylander, I had him coming in probably around the like 10.5, 10.6 sort of range. I, th- I think that if you look at his body of work over the last three or four years, that's probably where he belongs. And you factor in the cap going up. I, I have a hard time getting him up over 11 based on the comparables. Like they're just, I mean, who are you comparing him to? Cause if, like if you look, Dom Lecision, our, our one of our analytics writers, had a chart yesterday comparing Nylander to Pasternak, and he's well behind him in any respect you want to look at. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think when we were talking about this in like the summer, we were talking between nine and ten, right? Yeah, and it's like I, I 
I mean, who can know what the Neander side was insisting on at that point? But again, this this feels like another example of where not acting aggressively early sets up the conditions where he does this. You know where he's well. The talk, yeah, the talk in the offseason, Jonas, is that they weren't they wanted more than that, like that they weren't happy with between nine and ten Neander's side and. The interesting thing is that Nylander went out and put up the kind of season that changes the conversation. Well, and, and yeah. can I highlight something that was in Pierre's story? And this is a quote from J.P. Barry, who is not Nylander's agent, but a very prominent agent and is, in fact, Pasternak's agent. He said, this is a quote, in our situation, and this is referring to Pasternak, my client was playing so well, it became very clear that the initial team comparables weren't appropriate anymore. He basically played himself out of that marketplace, end quote. And to me, that's that's exactly what what feels like it's happened with Neander, where he was in one marketplace before, and now he's moving to a different one. And I guess the question, or part of the question, is like, do you believe that this is just what he is now? Is like he going to be, I don't know, one of the ten to twelve highest scoring players in the league? I, I still he, think, like, to me, I, I think it's worth paying. But I, I understand your point of a comparable like Pasternak and some of the comparables around the league. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to get into a Jonathan Huberto situation. Like, it's a disaster in Calgary where it, Huberto had the one massive year with 115 points, and that's just not really what he is. And now you're paying a guy. What, what's Huberto's deal? It's 11 10. something, 5. right? No, I think 10. it's 10.5. You know, so you got Huberto's making huge money, and he's just not that player. You know, not that I'm saying yeah. that that's what's going to happen with Nylander, but. It's you know uh, the the comparable we talked about a lot last year for Nylander was Philip Forsberg and yeah. to your point and to JP Barry's point Nylander's blown that comparison out of the water like that's not if you look at their careers before Forsberg signed his last contract yeah. comparing him to Nylander it was very very close and yeah, Forsberg the got, game were almost exactly the same I think it was very similar similar age yeah. you know both Swedish you know except there was there was a lot of parallels there between the two. But if you drill Nylander down to his last two years, last last year, and so far what he's done this year, it changes the paradigm. And, you know, I wrote at the end of November, I wrote a piece looking at the right comparables for Nylander. And I basically said, if what he's done so far is what he is this year, if he's going to be a 50-goal, 100-point guy this year, and I mean, he's on pace for, I think, even more than that now. But if he was going to be a 50-goal, 100-point guy, that changes where he fits in. And that's where I came up with, like, kind of the 10 and a half. 10.6 number. I feel like that's he's kind of falls in the the comparables become, you know, maybe it's like a Johnny Gaudreau, or maybe it's a Huberdo. Um, who am I forgetting? You know, like just shy of like the Panarin Pasternak yeah. numbers, but 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 higher than than the guys like Forsberg that are in the nine million ish range. And you have to factor in too that the cap's going up quite a bit. So if you're looking at this from percentage of cap. I think it makes a lot of sense for Nylander, especially with the year he's having this year coming in that 10 and a half range. So how does he end up at 11.25? Well, look at the leverage that Nylander's side has here. I mean, I think that the Leafs are in a position where they need to get this done. And Nylander's yeah. had such a good season that he's given himself all the leverage. You know, like if, if, if Nylander had 30 points right now, this wouldn't be the conversation. No, nope, you're right. I, I like I don't think he like if I'm projecting ahead, do I think he's a hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen point player every year? No. I think he's probably more 
40 goals and 90 to 105. You know what I mean? Like he's somewhere going to be in that ballpark, but he's been getting better every year. Like I, I think that's the thing, like his trajectory is arrow still feels like it's pointing up. And I think the only thing I would add, and I would wonder your opinion on, and, and then we should take a break is like, if I'm him in his camp, I'm looking around at the other players on the Leafs and I'm saying, if I, if I was talking to Brad G. Living, I'd say, listen, like he's been better than Marner the last two years. He's been better in the playoffs than Marner. He's been better than Tavares for like five years and better in the playoffs than him. He's been as good-ish as Matthews in the playoffs in, in recent years. He's not obviously the all-around player that Matthews is or that Marner is. But why is, it, is my con- client not being paid like those guys Especially with, you know, Matthews is getting a new deal that starts next year at 13.25. Marner's going to be doing a new deal after next season. He's already at 10.9. Like, why is my client not being paid like those guys? Well, it's 100% what they're saying. I mean, that's what they were saying in the offseason, too, is that, you know, part of what happened with the last negotiation with Nylander is he didn't, he was the one going first and he didn't want to sign a contract that was going to put him way under his peers on the team. And that's what ended up happening. You know, he signed for six years at just under seven million. Then the other guys go to negotiate, and they're getting eleven, all yeah. three of them. You know, well, and, and 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 that took the longest like contract dispute and like salary cap history just to get that. And and you're right, like, and then he became underpaid for most of the contract. Like, yeah. So you know, from Neilander's Neilander believes he's on the level of. You know, he he feels like he should be paid like Mitch Marner. So, you know, it's it's almost like the original sin for the Leafs was like signing those those players to contracts that, and, and specifically Marner to it. Like like Tavares was a UFA; he had bigger offers. He was getting like you know thirteen million offers from from the Islanders and from San Jose. So he's not the right comparable for for Nylander. Matthews was a guy who was going to win the Hart Trophy and lead the league in goals again and again. You know, him getting $11 million I don't think was outrageous. It's really the Marner contract when they signed that. Again, there weren't the comparables there. You look at Braden Point or Rantanen or some of these other, you know, Marner's contract should have been in the nine, nine and a half million range. And it probably would have been if they would have gotten it done earlier than they did. Um, so, and then Marner being able to get the contract that put him up at 10.9. All of a sudden, Neilander's saying, you know, that becomes his target. And that's how you get to, you know, he's going to, he wants more than Marner, basically. And that's part of the negotiation now, which in another organization probably wouldn't be the case. So it's, the Leafs have been stuck in this, you know, by, by acquiescing to what Marner wanted and giving him what he, he wanted. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to be stuck, I think, paying Neilander a, a little bit over his market value as a result. I think James, like the original sin is not paying Matthews and Marner that summer when they signed Tavares. Like that was, if you had locked those and, and from my understanding, like it was there, like it was possible to do it. And obviously they had the GM change, like right around that time from Lamorello to Dubas. And I remember sitting down with Dubas before that season and asking like, why is this not like, why are you not jumping on this sooner? Because like these guys could come out and have great seasons and suddenly and they did more and they did. And then suddenly their, their, their value skyrocketed. So like waiting that, that old silly saying, the Lamorello saying of like, if you have time, use it is, has been bullshit. Like it's, it's backfired on them. And 
Well, I think they could have got both those guys on eight-year deals. And yes, for, and for less. AABs than, than what they yeah. ended up getting. But that's really what it ended up costing them. And then, yes. so anyway, basically, Nylander feels like, and I I don't know if the, like that's why he's come out this year and played the way he has. Or I mean, I think he's had a, has a bit of a chip on his shoulder where he wants to show that, I, I think in his mind, he's like, this is bullshit. You know, I, I'm worth what Marner's worth and I'm going to show everybody. And so far this year, he has. All right, let's take a break and then uh, we should talk a little bit about uh, Ilya Samsonov, the goaltending situation, and uh, Martin Jones. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, since uh, we last spoke, uh, Ilya Samsonov got hit pretty hard. Obviously, in that Buffalo game you mentioned, the Columbus game, I think, was the final straw where he gives up six they lose in overtime he goes on waivers he's waived nobody claims him and now he's in the minors and the plan is like i don't know what to make of the plan like basically they said they're going to use this week as a bit of a reset for for Samsonov, but he's not going to practice with the marley's not going to play with the marley's and then they're going to reevaluate i don't see how he doesn't play games down there i don't know how you I mean, the only thing I guess that could change is an injury that requires him to come back up. But what do you make of their approach, putting him on waivers, and then just this? I think it had to happen. I think they had to put him on waivers. I mean, I think that the question is, like, does he get another chance with the Leafs or not? You know, is there is there a world where maybe they were thinking, Jonas, like they've got San Jose here on the Tuesday coming back home. Maybe they were thinking, like, this is the worst team in the league. They've They've lost 10 in a row. If they come back from the trip and they've won three straight, maybe they they want to give that San Jose game to Samsonov and see if there's anything. Oh boy, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I just it feels like with the way they've done this, it the door isn't a hundred percent closed on Samsonov. Is my read of of what they're doing? Yeah. So I wrote right after he went on waivers and I had, I just wrote right away. And my thought was like, his leaf career is done. And I regret that because the more I thought about it that afternoon, I was like, there are a lot of scenarios where his, he comes back up, but I I do think it's important to stress what waivers means. Like they're basically saying to the league, you can have him like that. Are we are okay. If you want to take him, like we are okay losing him. And now obviously his contract and the way he's played made it unlikely that was that someone was going to claim him. But they were basically saying like he can be gone and we're okay with it. That's what happens when you put someone on waivers. It's just like James, like even that San Jose game that you're mentioning coming up next week, like what's 
what's to make you think if you're the Leafs that anything is going to be different? Like why all of a sudden just not being around the team for a week? Is he suddenly going to get his confidence back? And yet, like you look at what happened with Jack Campbell um, in Edmonton and their minors in the minor leagues there in the AHL, he hasn't played well and he's just down there and like, who knows what's going to happen. He has a long contract. Samsonov is a free agent after this year. Martin Jones has played well. I mean, I, the sticky thing is like Joseph wall. I, it doesn't seem like is coming back before the all-star break. There's a bunch of games before then. How many yeah. games can you play Martin Jones? How many games do you want to play Dennis Hill to be like, would you rather just play Samsonov instead? I don't know. Well, you you can tell they're really nervous about rushing Hildeby, you know, who's only played like 40 some games in pro hockey period. Like he, he really, he's so young and kind of a late bloomer that he didn't really play in Sweden's top pro league much at all. Mm-hmm. Really just as like kind of an injury fill in, you know, not used a lot backup. So Hildeby's still, you know, even when they pick, I think they picked him in the fourth round. Even then it was kind of like, I, I believe he was an older guy. Like he had passed through the draft a couple of times. Like he'll to be, they, they believe he'll to be still a project for them to work on. So that's where the reluctance of them, you know, and they played Martin Jones back to back. I mean, the other thing that they could do is they could give Hildeby one of the San Jose games and, and just feel like, Hey, here's a team where this right. is going to be the easiest scenario to break him in. What's looming though, Jonas is there's another back to back coming next week. Uh, yeah. I know Detroit's the second game. I can't remember who, who who's the first game when in, in the games next week. On the they've Saturday? got a back, yeah, they've got a back to back, and it's not super easy teams. I mean, Detroit's got some firepower. They've scored quite a few goals this year. Um, it's Colorado. <laughs> yeah, so Colorado, Detroit, back to back. Maybe they're hoping that they can put Samsonov in one of those games. I don't know, um, but but clearly, or the organization doesn't feel inclined to rush Hildeby. The other thing they could be trying to do is buy themselves some time to see if they can find another goalie to bring in um, as a, as a stopgap option. It's been interesting around the league. There's been a bunch of scenarios where you mentioned Jack Campbell, but Antti Ranta cleared waivers. Eric Comrie's been through waivers. There's been a bunch of goalies that have just been lit up and put up 878, 60 save percentages that have been in the league for a long time and have cleared through waivers. And goaltending the new normal has been that it's been very unpredictable, very volatile, and and some guys are are really just having a hard time with the way the league is. I mean, save percentages in the NHL now are the lowest that they've been in 20-odd years, and I don't know. I, I don't know what they're... Like, would you give Samson another chance, or do you think that he's just too far gone? The, to me, the final straw was that Columbus game. Like, I... I wrote after that game that they can't play him anymore. And that's kind of how I still feel. Like, I just, I don't think it's fair to his teammates to put him in the net. Like he, how can you play in front of someone who's struggling so much? Like I feel for him. Cause like you can see and you can hear and you know, you can watch how he's playing. Like he's going through it. And I just don't know how you sort that out in the NHL and still be fair to the coaches, still be fair to the players it just doesn't feel fair to me. I, I want to come back to the other goalies, but I, I want to stick on Hildeby for a sec. Some of the stuff that you mentioned, I guess I just don't really totally see. I, I get the reluctance, but what is playing him one game going to like, is it going to destroy him? Like, even if he gets, I, I guess the only, the only thing was what Sheldon Keith said about the team and how they've played and they've not played particularly well. And like their standing isn't amazing. Like you want to make sure you get points 
that would be my only reluctance of playing Hildeby is like you potentially throw away getting two points against San Jose. But I mean, it's not like you're throwing in a minor or like a, I don't know. You're, you're not throwing in like a rec league goalie. Like he's still, you know what I mean? Like what's the, can you not win a game against a team that's lost 10 in a row with him? I don't, I don't know. Well, I could see he'll to be playing on Saturday against San Jose or or potentially in the home game next week against San Jose. I mean, maybe that's the easiest possible start to give it to him, but yeah. The the problem is you've got that back to back coming on the weekend. So Yeah. I guess you could play Hill to be on the Tuesday game and then Martin Jones gets the back to back. I, I don't it's know. It's just like I mean, James, like I've seen like remember like Eric is is he worse than Eric Schalgren? Like I know Schalgren was older more experienced like when they brought joe wall up initially like he hadn't played a bunch he hadn't been amazing in the minors he was again like a little bit older than than hill to be is like i don't know like what's what's like is it going to destroy his career I, I have a hard time believing that if he's actually a legitimate prospect um are there any of the goalies that are conceivably out there that you think makes sense for them to go and acquire because like the Samsonov thing, you have to assume if you're the Leafs that this isn't going away. Like, you can't assume you're going to get a good goalie back. Is there anybody you feel like you'd trust more than Martin Jones and or Wall? Well, I mean, I think at this point with how well Martin Jones has played, I think you feel okay giving him more of a chance. Now, Jones has a track record of the last five years of being underwhelming, and that's the reason why he cleared waivers coming out of training camp is that other teams have seen the Martin Jones show, but you can't argue with what he's accomplished so far for the Leafs. I mean, what's he got? He's got like a nine thirty save percentage or something like that. Like he's played, he's done everything they could have hoped for as a number three goalie. That's the other thing I wanted to talk to about too, Jonas is like, I don't really criticize the front office for what they've done with the goaltending situation. Like we've been critical of, of their off season and Klingberg and some of the things that they've done. I think what they did with the goaltending was right. I think you give, you know, Sam Smith had a good la- year last year. You pay him, you do a one-year deal. You like, you tell him to prove it to us again. I think that made sense. Mm-hmm. Joseph Wall played well in the playoffs. You want to give him an opportunity. He's making a low salary. I think that made sense to make him the number two. And you find a good number three, a veteran number three, Martin Jones, who can come in if if everything goes to hell the way that it has. I think that they did everything right. It's just that, who could have predicted that Samsonov was going to be one of the worst goalies in the NHL? I mean, that was not something that they could have foreseen. And who could have predicted that Joseph Wall would have a major injury when he did? Um, I mean, I think you're right. I, I don't think you can criticize him. I, I do take a little bit of, like, I don't totally agree with you about Samsonov. Like, but other than last year, this is, and I mean, I guess you could say his rookie year. He's been that, like, he's not been this bad, but like, it's not like, like Washington basically just was like, thanks, see you later. Because this has happened but, to but, them, but but what's the criticism, Jonas? Like, no, there's no criticism. Like, from him? like no, like I, I guess I I just went into the season. And I wrote this, and I believe I said this on the podcast. Like, I didn't think that their goaltending was any more certain a thing than it was the year before when they had Matt Murray coming off whatever he was coming off in Ottawa, and Samsonov coming off a bad year in Washington. Like, it felt just as uncertain. What what's good for them is. His wall popped, and and then obviously Samsonov popped in the wrong way. But yeah, like I don't think you can criticize him. I guess I just wonder: can you? Is there anything you can do to make it better now, or do you just look at some of these guys out there? Like I went through every possibility I could see, and like a lot of them, it's like, is this guy any better than Jones? No, 
no, no. That's what maybe you were asking about, like, like Jake Allen and some of these. these yeah, it's like, like I is Jake Allen better than Jones? I don't know. I wouldn't want to give up. He's probably a little bit better, but he's also making three point eight five something for another year after this one. So it's right. like, is he that much better than right Jones and Wall? No, probably not. Not that you give up an asset and you dedicate that kind of cap space too. So. I think that what happens here is they need Wall to come back. They need to see what his health is like and how he plays. And if he struggles or, or or Jones, I mean, right now, if the playoffs started, we're starting in a month, their goalies would be Wall and, and Jones going into the playoffs. And how comfortable well, I, you you feel with that be in a contending season, I think you need to see how Wall and Jones play over a longer stretch of time here. I think you hit on an important point that that is easily overlooked with wall like he's coming off like a pretty difficult injury or will be coming off a pretty difficult injury a high ankle sprain for a goalie he's like barely played in the league you need you kind of need to see like what he comes back looking like if he's the same goalie he was before you might just look at everything that's around available and be like these guys aren't any better we'll just have to roll with wall and jones and like they could look to vegas last year and aiden hill and just be like maybe that can be us but if Wall comes back and is like, mm, and, or he gets hurt, like suddenly you're going to have to more seriously look at some of those guys like Allen or whoever. It's just like the, the guys out there are just not amazing unless like you're going to try to, I don't know, try to trade for like Markstrom or someone like that. I don't and see that happening. Easy. But I, what I would be doing right now is if anyone goes on waivers who's like just okay, I would I would claim them. You know, there's there's a lot of teams carrying three goalies. There's, yeah, I mean, like James, like you mentioned, Carmi. If Carmi wasn't making one point eight, I bet they would have claimed him. No. Uh, well, I know I mean, he hasn't had a great season, but like his he's numbers played, are just I, as bad as Samsonov. I mean, like, yeah, so but what, he played what, seven what, games. Like I don't know. You'd rather play him in like that back to back than than Hill to be like. You know what I mean? I mean, they could have called Buffalo and said, hey, will you retain yeah. half of Comrie and we'll just give him a shot as our guy? And then, like, if it doesn't work, then you just put them on waivers and there's it doesn't hurt your cap. And I, I think that they could have looked at that. And probably if Comrie's numbers were a little bit better, they might have looked at that closer. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo has three goalies. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, like, I mean, the Jones thing is, uh, it's been a good story for them and he's been a good story for them. Like, Obviously, he played a bunch in, in Seattle last year. He didn't play amazing, but he, he won a lot of games for them. And I mean, that counts for something. And like, he is like, I don't know, like we talked in the summer about bringing him in. Like he was, he is kind of like your perfect number three. Like you remember over the years, the number three guys that they counted on, it was like, he's way better than Michael Hutchinson, who was their number three forever. And it's hard to have a good number three in the NHL because is, they got to sure. go, go through waivers. Like if you go... I think it's super interesting this year that there's five teams carrying three goalies, and I think this is going to be the future. I think teams teams are going to have three goalies more frequently, just because you don't want to lose guys through waivers, and because you have injuries and you have you have underperformance. Yeah, you know, I guess and, if it's the choice, James, between having like an eighth defenseman or having a third goalie, you, you'd rather I have think the third goalie. Ton, I think it makes a ton of sense, especially if you have a young guy like Devin Levi in in Buffalo. Um, you know, Detroit wasn't sure about their guys and they they wanted Alex Lyon to to get a chance and he's been their best goalie, even though Vili Huso's got the big contract. It's it's been really, really interesting. And there's so much the the word I used earlier, I go back to again. There's so much volatility with goaltending right now, is that you could enter the year with three guys, think that they're ranked one, two, three, and it could be completely backwards by the end of the year. And that's where the Leafs are at right now, where 
we would have come in the we came into the year thinking it was Samsonov one, Wool two, Jones three, and right now it's Wool one, Jones two, Samsonov, I don't know, four or five, you know, like so yeah. I think leaving that extra eight hundred, nine hundred grand of cap space for a third goalie makes a ton of sense. And I think we're gonna see it more and more around the league. Last thing uh before we go that we should mention is defensively some of the games that they've played recently, I think have been among their better games of the season. And that has taken a bit of the pressure off Jones. I think like they played, they didn't give up almost anything in LA. Same with the Carolina game. Like they've just kind of buckled down and found another gear defensively. So I think that is worth pointing out. Well, and there was some urgency, I think going into those games because they they fell at one point to one and four and one and six and they weren't playing well and they were losing games and they gave up all those goals. Like the Buffalo game was, was embarrassing and terrible. And then, you know, this last stretch of, I guess, probably three games have been four games, maybe four games. These three or four games have been some of their best of the year and the results haven't always been there, but. I thought the Anaheim game was really encouraging where they they found a way to stick with it and break through after dominating and it'd be an interesting test for them that these two games against San Jose like you they should easily win both of these games so we'll see which uh which Leafs team shows up here. Uh get a new subscription for the Athletic for $2 a month for 12 months when you go to theathletic.com/leafreport. Also be sure to sub- subscribe to the Athletic's YouTube channel at youtube.com at or slash youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show i think we'll be back uh next wednesday james um at least we'll play the islanders on the thursday so we'll probably record on the wednesday uh happy new year happy new year thanks for listening everyone As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.